Recovery Elevator, episode 429, finally helped me to realize that, you know, I've got to set a date here. I've got to say stop and 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 put forth the type of effort that I need to because it was just perpetuating. Uh, like this? Yeah, that should work. Mix down. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Yo, yo. Mix down. Three, four. Yo, yo. Wiki, wiki. Three, Mix four, down. There we go. Seven, eight. Wiki, wiki. Mix down. Guys in the house. <laughs> I love it. Wiki, wiki. Mix down. There we go. Three, four. Wiki, wiki. Yeah, you nailed it, Dale. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. This is Paul Churchill, and I am so excited to be here with you today. On today's episode, we have Dale. He's 55 years old from Roanoke, Virginia, and took his last drink on March 23rd, 2019. Great job, Dale. Listeners, today is going to be a good day. In fact, today has already been a good day. I want to give a shout out to all of our therapists, counselors, doctors, clinicians, listening in hopes to learn more about this insidious issue, disease, unrest, unease, whatever you want to call it, called addiction, more specifically alcohol addiction with this podcast. So welcome therapists, doctors, counselors, clinicians, all that stuff. We're so glad to have you listening. And I want to thank all of our Cafe Ari chat hosts. You guys do an amazing job. Listeners, check out our events page on the Recovery Elevator website. Link is in the show notes. Thank you, Robin. We're going to be in Atlanta, Georgia over Memorial Day weekend for a conference-style event at the Marriott and Alpharetta. And we've got our annual flagship retreat in Bozeman, Montana, in the pristine forests of Big Sky Country. This is August 9th to the 13th, and we'd love to see you there. Before we get any further, let's hear from Exact Nature. Exact Nature's safe and healthy CBD-based products are formulated to help you with the challenges of quitting drinking, such as addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, and lack of sleep. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to exactnature.com and use the promo code RE20 to receive a 20% discount on your order. That is RE20 at exactnature.com. Okay, let's get started. Experts say there's a very real connection between drinking and anxiety. First off, these must be very smart experts. I'm both kidding and I'm not. I can now clearly see there was a major link between my drinking and my anxiety. But while in the throes of my drinking problem, I could not. I remember going to therapists, counselors, my neighbor Ty's house to see what the hell was causing my anxiety to spike, more specifically in the mornings after long binges. I just couldn't figure it out. I could not make the connection that alcohol was causing the anxiety because after all, there is a paradigm, and thankfully this is crumbling by the day, which is that alcohol helps us relax and mitigates anxiety. Now there's a huge asterisk with that. Although no amount of alcohol is healthy for you, alcohol used sparingly, not morning, daily or nightly, does calm anxiety. It does this by shutting down the activity in your prefrontal cortex, the hippocampus, the amygdala, and every other system in your body. What I mean is, if you drink enough, all of the systems in your body will shut down. This is what Nicolas Cage was going for in the movie Leaving Las Vegas. According to Dr. Sheila Shalati, doctor of psychology of Seasons Recovery in Malibu, California, 
The reason for alcohol causing the anxiety spike is this. Alcohol ultimately replaces those important chemicals like dopamine and serotonin in the brain, which mitigate anxiety. Therefore, in episodes when you are not drinking, then your brain is searching for those all-important feel-good connections, which become diminished because the supply has been mitigated. Dopamine and serotonin participate in the pleasure centers of our brain. The more we feed those pleasure centers through methods like alcohol, the more we will crave the use of those things that mimic those neurotransmitters. Heavy drinkers struggle so much to eliminate drinking because of the physical cravings that are being driven by the necessity to reward the brain, says Dr. Shalati. She continues to say, although serotonin and dopamine are not the only transmitters that are particularly affected by alcohol use, they are largely known for their impacts on mood and behavior, particularly with depression and anxiety. In the short term, alcohol acts as a sedative and allows for anxiety to be diminished. However, in the long term, you see greater rates of increased anxiety and depression. Listeners, here is where things get hairy. If our brain and body and mind, which is all the same, gets the constant message that it no longer needs to produce more serotonin or dopamine because it's coming from a reliable outside source, the body will stop producing it. Thus, cue existential anxiety and freak out once we remove the alcohol. Now, good news here is that the human body is extraordinarily amazing and it will begin to endogenously produce these chemicals again within 48 to 72 hours. Although it's a very small drip at first, levels soon within time, this is pause, post-acute withdrawal symptoms, these levels soon go back to normal. I don't want to put a time frame on it, but it could be anywhere from one to six months. Hang on, it will return. Listeners, hot off the press, everyone experiences anxiety. It's a common and normal response to stressful situations. However, someone who drinks a bottle of wine a night or three feels way more anxiety than just temporary anxiety from stressful situations. They may experience intense bursts or extended periods of anxiety on a regular basis, mostly for reasons we just covered. Your body stops producing these chemicals, and then your body will send you a personalized message that says, yo, I don't care that it's 9.40 a.m., there's a liquor store up ahead, turn right in 50 meters. Researchers say that about 20% of people with an anxiety disorder also have an alcohol use disorder, and it's kind of vice versa. It's kind of a chicken or an egg type thing. I'd actually put that number much higher, actually. And if your drinking hasn't taken you to these waters yet, give it time, it will. Here's a big way that alcohol changes your brain chemistry in regards to stress, which leads to anxiety. I heard this on the Andrew Huberman podcast. The Stanford neuroscientist says that alcohol changes the relationship between the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenals. Now, the hypothalamus, which is about the size of a gumball and sits above the roof of the mouth, provides a specific set of signals for the pituitary gland, which then releases hormones into the bloodstream that go and talk to your adrenals, which sit right above your kidneys in your lower back. The adrenals release a chemical called epinephrine and cortisol, which is involved in the longer-term stress response. The hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenals maintain the physiological balance of what you perceive as stressful. People who drink regularly, and that's most likely you if you're listening to a recovery podcast, experience long-term changes between the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenals which result in more cortisol being released at baseline. And here's the major punch to the groin. Even if you take a week or two off, 
the relationship between these three organs is out of balance. It takes weeks or months for the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenals to come back into homeostasis, but they eventually will. So the consequence of this prolonged drinking, even if you take a couple days off, is that you feel more stressed and feel more anxiety than our counterparts who don't drink. Side note about stress, most medical professionals will agree that stress is the number one contributor to disease. In the world of alcohol addiction, you're gonna hear the line self-medicate. This isn't a bad thing. In fact, as Dr. Gaber Mate would say, congratulations, you found a way to survive. You used alcohol to help soothe the anxiety, stress, or inner turmoil. The problem is when we rely too much on the self-medication strategy. What happens is the coping strategy eventually becomes the reason we can't cope anymore, and an insidious component of alcoholism is that it blinds us to this fact. Alcohol is no longer working, but we don't realize it and we begin to double down on the drinking. We drink more, we drink earlier in the day, and it's all justified or normalized brilliantly by the thinking mind. I'll admit, when the alcohol no longer helps with the anxiety, it's a super shitty spot to find yourself. But as I cover in episode 417, it's also the best place you can be because your sobriety date or tipping point isn't far off in the distance. And after the interview with Dale, I'll give you some quick pointers on how to address the anxiety without alcohol. I hope you guys enjoyed this intro. I had a good time putting it together. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp, before we hear from Dale. Trying to find balance in day-to-day life is tough. I'm a working mom, and it seems like the older my kids get, the busier our lives become. We all have different needs, and it's truly a challenge to take care of everyone else while also making sure my cup remains full. For me, setting that block of time in the week to check in with my therapist is a great way to protect my energy and my mental health. It's hard to balance everything that I'm juggling when I don't feel like I'm taking any time to balance myself and my emotions. Therapy has allowed me to use coping skills to navigate recovery as well as my busy mom life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Elevator today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Elevator. Dale, how are you? Hey, Paul. Thank you so much for asking me to be here with you today. And uh, it's, it, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's it's sunny here in uh, Southwest Virginia, and uh, I see spring coming. So it's uh, it's a good day. Yeah, Dale, it's fantastic to be here with you on the podcast. And I can't wait to share your story of how you ditched the booze, how you've logged almost four years away from alcohol. But the time of this comes out, the release date, you'll have that in the bag. I'm certain of that. And listeners, this interview is long overdue with Dale. Dale has been a guy that, you know, when I have a squirrely day or I get existential in my thinking, oh, alcohol free my entire life. What's the point of life? And I go to bed at night, a guy like Dale um, or any time in my foxhole, I know I have a guy like Dale in my corner and everybody needs a guy like Dale. Everybody does in their recovery. And I'm certain you're going to hear why in the interview, but he's been a rock for me. 
He's been so much help. He volunteers in Cafe RE. I'm sure we'll cover that. But again, this interview is long overdue, and I'm so glad to bring Dale on the podcast with you. So Dale, let's get right into this. When was your last drink? That would be March 23rd. It was a Saturday of 2019. Yeah, congratulations, Dale. And before we unpack your story with alcohol, give listeners a little background about yourself. Where are you from, Dale? What do you do for a living? What's your age? Do you have a family? And what do you like to do for fun? Yeah, so as many times as I've heard all those questions, I, they just went right out of my head. So I live in Southwest Virginia, and uh, I'm 55, and I have been at a national shipping company for 34 years, and I also own and manage some rental property. Uh, I am married to my best friend uh, for this year will be 25 years. And we have no children. We have a five-year-old golden doodle and we own a house and there's no picket fence. And there you go. What do you like to do for fun? Dan? Uh, um, I'm a, let's see, as I've gotten older, I, I mean, I, I've, we've, we have, I have always loved music. Um, I grew up, my house was built full of music. Dad was a country and Western person and, you know, Marty Robbins and bluegrass was heavy in my house. And then my mom was a, you know, Bob Seger, you know, uh, Eagles kind of girl. So uh, I've, I've had a wide variety my whole life and that's still very prominent. So uh, I love music, uh, reading. Uh, especially as I've gotten older, continually learning, loving to learn and grow. And then, of course, this time of year, uh, just, I can't wait to get outside, waiting for that last frost date to get outside, to do some planning, to to work in, in the dirt and get the, the yard and everything going. It's very satisfying and calming for me, helps me connect. And so um, those are just a few things. Dale, you said music earlier is a big part of your life. Is there or was there a song that propelled you forward in recovery? For example, Fix You by Coldplay. It would always come on at the right moment when I was feeling squirrely. Um, of course, I love Third Eye Blind and there's many Third Eye Blind songs, but that Coldplay song, Fix You, just like when I needed that extra bump to get through a craving or or to make it one more day without alcohol, that song did it. Do you have a song or an artist that you resonate with? I would have to say uh, here in the last year or so, I guess Macklemore would probably have to definitely be my my go-to guy. Um, just, um, you know, lis listening to so many of his lyrics and relating to not only his addiction issues and so forth, but also, um, you know, his mental health issues and whatnot is just really, you know, it, it, it helps. It's helped me, you know, know that I can push that push forward each day and keep going. And so a lot of times I listen to him when I eh, go for a walk or, you know, go to the gym or whatever it is that I'm doing. So uh, Shadow, um, the new album, Ben, that just came out. Um, I, I love the song Tears uh, on there. And uh, so those are just two songs. Yeah, Macklemore is a huge advocate for recovery. I mean, he's in recovery himself. That's that's great. Well, Dale, let's do what we came here to do. Let's talk about your journey away from alcohol. You're 55 now, and and we're over four years when this episode comes out. When did you first recognize that alcohol was no longer serving you? Um, and and try to give us dates, yeah, you know, so we can follow along chronologically. 
while no longer serving me. Oh, while wow. Pro- probably pro- probably it was after marriage. Um, so, um, you know, it was uh, as far as exactly when it became started becoming a problem, it was probably that I really recognized it was probably about, I, I would say probably about five or six years uh, ago. So several, several years before I actually, you know, put the cork back in the bottle and walked away from things. And, uh, so you know, uh, as far as the year goes on that, I, I'm probably 17, 16, somewhere around there, 2016, 17. Yeah. Sure. So it sounds like you had a decade or two or several years of normal drinking. Am I right on that? You know, part part of my story is that I got my first drink and whatnot came from at a very young age. Um, my My mom and dad were very, you know, into natural cures and whatnot. And and I had a lot of like uh, respiratory issues and whatnot as a child. And back then when I was a kid, they didn't like, they, they didn't put you in the hospital with pneumonia. They packed the mom up with a bunch of drugs and sent them home and gave them your blessing and hoped the kid was going to make it. And that's the way it was back in the seventies and, and whatnot. And so um, my mom and dad were very big on, uh, you know, uh, slipping me little toddies of Applejack brandy with honey in it. And I remember that so distinctly. And, and Macklemore talks about that, that sweet burn, so, uh, slow burn and how, you know, he wanted more of it. And so those those things were very vivid in my mind. And, you know, certainly, you know, I had a positive and favorable memory of that growing up and that was on the regular. And so then, you know, coming back around to your to your question, you know, the hospitality industry very quickly in my late teens and early 20s entered the picture. And so then, you know, we had, you know, the running the running expression or joke that, you know, hey, all we do is drink and make money. And we made a lot of money and we, you know, partied while we were doing it. And so my tolerance level would grow. I was a daily drinker and it would grow grow and became more. And so exactly what norm is, I'm not exactly sure. But anyway, sorry about the dog in the background. Oh, all these interviews are pet friendly. Um, yeah, for sure. No worries there. So, so Dale, were there any red flags or did anything happen, you know, in 2017 or 16 or 15, where you said, look, uh, maybe I need to cut back. Maybe I should try moderating. Yeah, I think that that was, it was a combination of me realizing that I was not being the person that I wanted and needed to be. I wasn't living in harmony with the values that I knew that I needed to alcohol was making me be somebody that I didn't want to be. And then my dad, who is an alcoholic, he was two years here about a couple of years ago. And then he had a little relapse. And then I think he's back to like about six or eight months right now. But anyway, uh, most of my life, uh, he was that. And so he had some things happen about around that time period that were, you know, ca- caused me to go, what the heck? 
I'm walking the same path here and this is not where I want to be. And so I did some soul searching and, and that helped me uh, come to some conclusions in my sneakiness. If you want, if you want an example of a slap in the head uh, in my sneakiness on one time, uh, I got into some special bourbon. I think it was bourbon that, 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 the missus had and I made some like lame justification for getting into it. And that was like the last straw. And she sent me the most scathing shot to the heart slap upside the head text message. That was just so brutally truthful and honest. And I kept it for days and reread it and reread it. And I eventually just had to get rid of it because it was just, it was just crushing me, but it was just so incredibly truthful. And hang on a second, Dale, if I'm hearing you correctly, Mrs. Is this your wife? Yeah. Okay. And so you were perhaps secretive or or got in some bourbon. Your wife didn't know about it. And this text message landed at the conscious, the unconscious somewhere deep inside the body. And you said, all right, we we need to quit. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was Absolutely. that in 2019 or was that in 2017? That was, that was about a year out. That was about 18. That was about 18. And, gotcha. um, and so, um, yeah. And so, and of course, you know, like so many of us did, did soon, did I stop right after I got that? that of course not. We kept on going, but sure. it, was, it was probably about, it was probably, you know, that was probably the summer before. So we're talking about, you know, eight months or so prior. So all of that weighed, all of that, thinking back to your original question, all of those things kind of weighed and were part of the processing and part of this journey, you know? And so like we've talked about so many times in recovery elevator, you know, it's, you know, the journey starts long before you stop the drink. And so all of these things were processing and coming coming through and uh, serving to, to be a catalyst for me. Dale, you're, you're totally right. The journey does start way before that last drink. And if I'm hearing correctly, your father was an alcoholic. That's great to hear. He's, he's back on the sobriety train with, with six months, I think you said, but you saw some things with him that you realized you didn't want to go down this path. You were secretive with some brandy. Your wife called you out on it and you had these external flags that that landed with you. And I'm, I'm not hearing like a fiery rock bottom, which is very common on this podcast. A lot of people think you have to end up in jail, bankruptcy, DUI, those things to quit drinking. Some do. But for many, um, these are very emotional rock bottoms that are all relative. The pain points are probably the same all across the board. And it was about a year before your alcohol-free date. You got this wake-up call and a text message saying, wait a second, this is not the path I want to go down. But from then on, did you try to moderate? Because we're about a year away from your sobriety date here, right? Oh, yeah. Actually, prior to that. So, um, you know, it was a couple of years. I think one of your original questions was, you know, when did I start noticing that it was no longer serving me? And so that went that went back even before the the text message. And so, yeah, um, yeah, I tried to moderate and try to do it's one of the one of the reasons why like today i really don't have a good relationship with alcohol free beverages not that i don't 
and that serves some people wonderfully and I'm, I'm happy for them and that's great. But I use those things so much in my moderation and trying to wean myself away from, from, you know, alcohol and cut out the daily drinking and whatnot that it just left a bad memory. And so for me to go pick up a, you know, a Bex alcohol free or whatever, you know, you want to, give to me. I just, I just can't do it. It's too triggering for me. Yeah. Sometimes the path of least resistance is no, uh, NA beers, right? Some can do NA beers and sometimes the path of least resistance is nothing. I, I really enjoy, uh, hearing that. I'm glad you said that Dale. Um, and so what was it on March 23rd, 2019 that what was the tipping point? I think after the first of that year, I just I just came to realize that I, I, being more self-aware, which self-awareness has been a huge and I'm still working on it. I, I don't have any answers to all of this. I'm still growing and learning every day. And so but being self-aware of my behavior and my actions, I think finally helped me to realize that, you know, I've got to set a date here. I've got to say stop and 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 put forth the type of effort that I need to because it was just perpetuating. I had turned another year older. Here's a new year that's starting and I'm still in the same boat and I'm still doing the same behavior and it's not changing and it's not going and I'm still using the same rationale on a daily or you know weekly basis. And so and it just in March, you know, 23rd, my uh, AF uh, alcohol free date is the 24th, you know, has no specific, you know, reference or special meaning whatsoever. It was just the day that I finally mustered the courage to stop running and turn and face the demon and say, no. Dale, the key word there that I heard is awareness, self-awareness. And a lot of people don't quit drinking. There's a lot of people that continue forward with their addictions and it almost to the bitter end, shall we say. And I think from what I've surmised, it's a lack of self-awareness. In fact, I've once heard uh, you could take the most powerful medicines from the East and the West, add them together, and they still would not equal the power of awareness or self-awareness. And I think that follows a very similar trajectory for many. I know mine right before my sobriety date was this window of clarity is what they call it. Or I've heard it's called before of, yeah, I had this, this self-awareness of yes, if you want this alcohol, here's where we're going. No worries. That's where we're going. But if you want a life of everything that, you know, happiness, wholesome joy, it can involve alcohol. And I had to have that awareness. So I love how you said that. And I know there'll be a lot of listeners nodding their heads saying, yeah, like I've had those moments of self-awareness. Those are very powerful. So Dale, how did you do it? March 24th, 2019. Uh, I just looked at our member listing. You signed up for Cafe RE in April of 2019. So how did you do it? Um, were you listening to podcasts? Were you going to AA meetings? You know, what was that first week like? My, my journey has solely been with Recovery Elevator. You know, uh, it's you and I've told this to you uh, a couple of times. I think I, I was just I was just so pulled and drawn to you. Uh, you made me feel like here isn't somebody that's condescending or talking down to me. This is someone who is inviting me to, you know, take his hand and walk this journey together with him. 
And that really resonated with me. And so, yeah, probably in March, I couldn't tell you when <laughs> I was, I was already like listening to the podcast. And then I finally, you know, it was probably about two weeks after I stopped, I went ahead and I finally signed up. And then of course I went, well, what did I just do? <laughs> so it was, it was kind of like, oh, here I am and I'm in this community and, and, you know, what, what do I do now? But uh, yeah, so that, those were the initial steps and those first, you know, those, those first couple of weeks, you know, it was it was tough. Uh, what I, what I've done and what I, what I did and what I, you know, have told others to do is that I just, I had to throw myself into putting more energy into the good than focusing on the problem and the bad. And so I, from the time I woke up in the morning to the time that I went to bed, I was reading having something positive that was going into my mind, into my mind, into my heart and, you know, into my reasoning on a constant to where I didn't have time to focus on what I was missing or what, what I perceived that I was missing. And so that just slowly developed an, um, an appetite for the good and for that growth and it just fed itself. And so that just helped me gain that strength. But, you know, those first, that first week, month was, you know, it, it, it was everything that you, that you can imagine the first month was. I was very fortunate that I did not have any major physical withdrawals or anything from it. I did have some, uh, I remember having, Probably about week two or three, I probably had, and I don't know why it showed up then, but um, I had some shakes and whatnot, very mild um, uh, shakes, and they lasted for a couple of days. Mine was more of a um, psychological addiction, I guess. Um, that, uh, and so, yeah, but it it was still it was still the typical triggers and 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 toughness there those that, that first month or so and then you know to to throw gas on the fire then may 16 it was a thursday evening may 16 my wife got diagnosed with breast cancer oh wow so here i am barely 60 days and not even and i just get this gut punch so yeah, he, I you know I think the universe tells us when to quit drinking, and we know you know more will be revealed. I think that would be an extra challenge to go through your wife's diagnosis with the alcohol. I'm really sorry to hear about that, but I've I've heard that time and time again. People quit drinking, and then a short time after that, after a lifetime of drinking, there's a major, perhaps the biggest life challenge. And if alcohol was involved in their life, it navigating that would have been nearly impossible. And Dale, you said some things we got to unpack here. First off, I appreciate the kind words about the podcast, about being non, non-condescending or whatnot. And I think the reason we've had success here at Recovery Elevator is for what you just said probably four or five minutes ago. You said, look, I don't know. 
And I'm not condescending because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the best way to quit drinking. Sometimes I stop hit, hit record or I go to write an episode. I'm like, man, like, how do we do this? How do we collectively as a, as a society find wholeness without alcohol and in a world where it's everywhere? So I don't know, right? And what we're doing right now, Dale, is sharing what we, we've learned, our experiences. So thank you for saying that. And as I mentioned, having a guy like Dale just there in the universe when I go to bed, throughout the day. Everybody needs a Dale. <laughs> so thank you. Um, Dale, I want to ask you, when you signed up to Cafe RE, you're like, what did I just do? That's a common thing. We have a new member orientation twice a month. And then when I teach it, I log in and there's 15 Zoom squares of like, what the hell did I just do? Where's the exit button? What's your refund policy? You're right. Like we need to quit drinking. We got to quit drinking. And then we sign up for a community. We go to AA and it's like, oh shit. What did I just do? Can you unpack that shortly for a second? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been to those meetings uh, with with uh, Mr. Copeland, and uh, yeah, those are those are some excellent excellent four hundred one ones that we have twice a month, and uh, they're they're good stuff. Uh, those were non existent when when I came along, and so it was just uh, the general encouragement of uh, reaching out. At the time, you know, uh, things were different with uh, even with your activity level uh, in the groups at that time. Uh, not that not I'm not trying to be negative about that, but uh, things change. But, um, you know, you, you would be very welcoming and would encourage us to answer some questions and whatnot. And I remember taking getting way outside of my comfort zone and posting an introduction video, which I was like, oh, I think I was in the dark in my chair in the other room with a hat pulled down over my face. I had, I was working with me. There was so much psychology going on in my brain. It was like, you know, what am I doing? I'm kind of ashamed. I'm, I'm trying to like, what's the next step forward, but there was beautiful people and many of them are still in the community today. You know, uh, you know, Tom, Christy, Natasha, um, all of these wonderful people. And I know I've missed, several uh philip um th that were present and there and welcoming and you know uh engaging and and helped helped bring me along um but that's that was the starting point and we didn't even have we didn't even have but maybe like you know uh, uh what three four chats a week at that time we're running 24 now a week in the community and so, yeah, things were a little bit different and really put the work effort, the the aspect of recovery work back in your court. I mean, if you wanted to if you wanted to get well, if you wanted to address the issues and, and try to get strong and to free yourself and enjoy that freedom that you needed to have, then, then you had to put the work in. And you had to stretch yourself in a consistent way in order to be able to reach your goal. Yeah, you you listed off uh, some rock star names there, many of them who are still in Cafe Ari with us. Dale, you said focus on the good in your first 30, 30 whatever, your early sobriety. Episode 408 uh, was titled Focus on the Good. I fully believe that. yes. We need to be aware of all parts of our personality. You need the yin to the yang. We have the light. We have the dark. In the native cultures, which wolf will you feed? But I fully believe 
that a successful departure from alcohol involves just that focusing on the good. We have a very powerful machine, perhaps the most powerful on planet earth called the human brain in our dome. And where we place those energies is very important. So focusing on the good, right? We have an opportunity of a lifetime with quitting drinking is, is paramount. Now we might not get there day one, focus on the good. It could be challenging. It could be a sacrifice. It could be a slog for a little bit, but eventually this is a seed that Dale planted that I want to water right now. Eventually you need to focus on the good and allow those parts of your life to bloom and if the conditions are right, they will. If the conditions are right without alcohol, things will start to bloom. And when did you notice that, Dale? When did you notice that things in your life started to bloom without alcohol? Oh, wow. Um, I, you know, probably, I, I probably would say you start, you, I started noticing, you know, after six months, I started noticing, you know, more significant changes and then eight month. And then as I closed in on, on a year, um, you know, you just start the, the veil that's over your head and over your eyes starts to lift and you start to see the world and the promises and the hope. And you are, you become, you have more clarity as to your strength that's actually in you. And that you can actually, you know, do the things and accomplish the things that are before you and that your your self-worth grows. And so, uh, th yeah, that was kind of, it, it. you know, it wasn't just a light switch one day to where, you know, it just kind of came on and everything was better. Um, but it was that gradual thing. And I want to say for me, those first six months, eh, I, I, you know. I kept showing up and kept doing the work and kept doing what I was supposed to do, but it was probably not until about the six, seven month mark that I really started feeling and noticing differences. And then it progressed from there. Gotcha. Dale, how has your relationship with your wife changed in sobriety? I know after that searing text message you received, um, yeah, fill us in there. You know, we're thicker than thieves. Um, I mean, she's known me my entire life. Uh, I've said this, you know, before in sharing some aspects of my story. I, I have no memory of her not being in my life. We go back to kids. And so our two families are kind of intertwined. And so, yeah, there's been some growth issues. I'm not necessarily the same person in some respects that I used to be when we first met and when we first, you know, were married, but she loves me. She's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, she knows my worth and who I am at heart. And all of this change has actually created and brought reason to draw closer together than to push, push each other away. And so, so it's been, it's been a positive and me, of course, being present mentally, emotionally, spiritually for her and for myself and life in general has been huge, has been huge and has, is one of the, the biggest blessings that I, you know, am, am thankful for in, in an alcohol-free life. Dale, on this podcast, we have people with all different sobriety dates. And I think the average is probably around 45 days of sobriety, but you're coming up on four years. For, I'm more interested in years like two or three. Like, Could you break the differences down between the years and almost put a theme on it? Like, man, year two was this. Year three was this. If you can do that, 
or just talk about the differences between the years. Cause what you're doing, you know, year one is probably going to be different than year four. Um, I think year two for me, and, and, and I, this is not, uh, I've heard other people say this too. Year two for me was unpacking all the garbage. It was unpacking the, you know, the whys and thinking about, you know, why, how did I ever get, ever get to where I was and what contributed to that? And so that was kind of the mucky part of the journey, if you want to. And that whole year, you don't ever sit down um, in my in my experience. You don't ever sit down and like, you know, OK, I'm going to unpack all of this in one weekend and it's all going to be done with. No, it it took, you know, it, it took a good part of that second year to come and go from it, you take it down off the shelf and you open the box and you work with it a little bit. And then you go, oh, crap, you know, I can't deal with this anymore. And you put it back on the shelf for a while. And that was kind of year two. I think year three for me has been um, or or was um, more about learning to let go, which was a huge thing for me and control and knowing that life's going to go on and it it doesn't need my you know control over it or i don't i i don't have to be scared that something's going to happen if i if i don't let go of something and so that was huge um this past year uh this past year has been so distracted with so much family stuff you know, we we lost a family member in December and um, we've had some surgeries and whatnot. It's just been I, I haven't I can't say that I have what what saved me this past year is my service work in RE. And that's fueled my journey and kept me kept me going forward. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question or not, bro. Absolutely. Yeah. Year year two, you said unpacking the garbage, right? It's almost like that bundled, uh, I heard an analogy of bundled stack of Christmas lights that we pull out every December and it just, you just keep pulling. Oh my gosh, there's just, this is never ending, but finally it untangles and it comes to light. Um, yeah. You answered that perfectly, Dale. I appreciate that. Now you've been in Cafe Re for for a hot moment and guys, Dale is an embodiment of empathy and compassion, how he treats himself and or how he treats others is just so loving and kind. So thank you, Dale, for showing me that, for treating me that way, and, and you treat others. And I hope the world treats you that way. You know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, you're just such a nice, honest guy. So thank you. But in Cafe Ari, you've been there for a hot minute. You know what? What do you think people are doing that find success in their desire to quit drinking, right? And there's, I mean, there's many people on day one. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a very important part of your journey. But for those that are hitting successful strides or, or logging time away from alcohol, what's the secret sauce, do you think? Um, it, and it's something that we've repeated, I think, a foundation stone and and one of the, you know, one of the first bricks that you got to put in the wall. And I love that. So I think it was, you know, I forgot which... I, book I just took that from that I just read, but they use the analogy of, of, of laying a brick wall and you, you can't look at the whole, the whole wall at once. You just have to look at the next brick that you're going to lay and eventually the whole wall gets done. And so that first few bricks that you place has to be doing the work and application of what, 
of what you're of what you're of what you're doing of what you're trying of what you're trying to learn so when when you learn the people that come into re tying this back to your question the people that come into re that i think that are successful and that do eventually stack days if that's your thing and you know have a life that is completely free of of alcohol are the individuals that come in and that put that work in that reach outside of their comfort zone that continue to learn and educate themselves not just about alcohol but about themselves about you know um learning learning to let go um the psychology of of addiction and being able to uh, apply those things that they learn to their life and let themselves be affected by them. Those are the individuals that I see that actually make a success of it and, and service work, you know, it's, it's a huge part service work in the community and, and with, you know, or outside of the community, if you want to is, um, you know, very, very important. It it strengthens us. It it, it keeps us uh, connected to our foundation, and we have the blessing of helping other people along the way. And Dale, you say service work. Thank you for what you do with the chats, uh, listeners. Dale's in charge of the chats in Cafe Re, which is my favorite part of Cafe Re. There's twenty to thirty chats per week. There are Google spreadsheets with hosts and chats. It's a WhatsApp. WhatsApp group just for chats. It's a lot. So thank you, Dale. I appreciate what you do for Cafe RE. Uh, my answer to that question I asked you is, you know, what do people do who are successful? And I want to be clear on that. It's not successful, unsuccessful, quit drinking or not quit drinking. It's the timeline. Everybody can get this. Everybody will get this if you keep showing up. If you don't quit, quitting, right? Shall we say everybody's going to get this. So listeners, I don't want you to be like hanging on the edge of your seat. Like what's the key to you're all going to get it just at your own time. All flowers bloom at different times. But one thing that I've seen is the acceptance component, accepting a that alcohol, it just doesn't work, right? You got to be done with the moderating all those genius ideas. It's the acceptance component and, and everything with that. And part of that is accepting the fact that maybe your ideas, your thinking is going to lead you off a cliff. That's hard to do and it sucks. And sometimes I still struggle with this. I do. Um, but it's the group mentality. It's the group consciousness. And that's the way it's been for eternity, for human beings, for our race, for thousands of years. It's the group consciousness. We're pack animals. We're herd animals. So sometimes accepting that you're thinking, uh, that sucks. That That's a tough one. I hear you. I appreciate your answer there. Adele, I've got another one for you before we hit the rapid fire round. Uh, we spoke a bit before I hit record about, you know, your retirements around the corner or, you know, next five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 years, whenever, but what's on your bucket list in, in sobriety, right? For this next chapter of your life. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting that one. Oh, I, I think just continuing to spend more time with, with my wife and, and enjoying that being present with her and, sharing moments that work or alcohol or whatever, uh, you know, uh, illness uh, throughout the years with family members has kind of taken um, from us. And so, um, and I know that sounds a little, there's a little selfishness in there, but it's, it's, it's a good positive, I think, selfishness. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's what I'm looking forward to the most is being with her and 
just enjoying that, enjoying that time. And I might hop back just for a split second and speak to the community concept that, or thoughts that you were just sharing. That was, that was a huge part. I remember light bulbs going off in uh, over my head, those, that those first, you know, month, six months of just realizing that there was a community of people that understood me, that got it. I didn't have to explain. And, you know, uh, my wife's family has substance abuse issues in it as well. And there was things that I had to explain to her that I just, I that, that she did, even though with her experience and background, that she just didn't get in in the community uh in 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 RE uh with with the community I didn't I didn't have that I had a group of people that got it oh well I'm experiencing this or I felt this way oh I completely get that I felt the same way or yeah and you know I I experienced this and but they got it completely there was no over explaining of anything because the the, the family uh, of of re uh, got it and and the community got it so i'm very grateful for that and appreciative that is a wonderful feeling to be surrounded by people who get it i heard a phrase where a thousand explanations won't cut it for someone not in recovery and no explanation is needed for somebody who's been down the path with a drinking problem yeah it just feels good to not feel alone Dale, we have reached the rapid fire round. If you can answer these questions in 10 to 15 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? No, I'm not. Yeah, go ahead. He's like, hell no, I'm not ready to answer what's the point of life in 15 seconds. That's the first question. Dale, what's the point of life? Well, um, you know, I'm, I, I am a very spiritual person and I, am, I have a Christian background. And so I, I think that... Uh, coming to appreciate and understand our creator and living and, and trying to follow and be close to him and his in the example that uh, he wants us to set on a daily basis is the purpose of, of our being here and our existence. And we need to continue to work to grow in that daily. Dale, what's the one thing you've learned about yourself since quitting drinking? I'm stronger than I ever thought. Dale, best sober moment. Oh, wow. Wow. It's not probably, this one? Probably. <laughs> yeah, pro probably just being present for my wife going through her procedures and whatnot uh, is, um, yeah, those are probably, probably the best moments uh, peppered through a year and a half of time that I'm very grateful for. What's your favorite alcohol-free drink? Uh, on the day, uh, on on the daily, I, I'm more of just a coffee water kind of person. But I, you know, a special, you know, like on the weekend or something like that. I love the um, diet cock and bowl ginger beer. Uh, I love the Lacroix uh, key lime with some coconut water poured on top. And then when I go to the beach, uh, uh, thankfully a couple of times a year, which is still not enough. Um, I, I always go to the store and get all of the fixings for cranberry, seltzer, and lime. And it has to be as organic and fresh as I can get it. All Everything, and I just make them all week long. It just makes me so happy 
when I'm at the beach to just to have that. Dale, what's your favorite 70s band? 70s band. Oh, wow. One? Zeppelin, Eagles, Rush. All right. Dale, if you had a pet tortoise, what would you name it? Cecil. Perfect. And last question, Dale, what parting piece of guidance do you have the listeners? Recovery is action. And so um, you've got to you've got to pay the rent every day. So what are you going to do today? I love it there. And Dale, before we depart, give listeners your own customized, you might need to ditch the booze if line. Uh, you know, I was thinking about that and I, I, what, I guess what I have to share is more of an experience. I, I think about the favorite bottle of wine that I used to, to buy from the shop, um, here close to the house and I bought it for years and within like six months after I quit, it not only went off sale, but it was completely dropped from the inventory of the store because nobody else bought it. And so if that doesn't like tell you something about my consumption and about, you know, the the product or of the um, what I was doing, then I don't know what. But anyway. Yeah, I can imagine their 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 sales meeting. Yeah, right around March 24th of 2019, <laughs> sales dramatically dipped of this product. What is going on? Dale, thank you so much for doing the interview on the podcast. Thanks for being a part of my sobriety. You're a big reason that I haven't had a drink of alcohol in 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 a hot minute. Let's go with that. But really, at the end of the day, Dale, you and me both know, and listeners, it's a big seed I want to plant. It's just one day at a time. That's it. I'm just going to go today, the next 12 hours, 14 hours for me with that alcohol. That's the goal. Dale, I love you, man, and thank you so much. Oh, Paul, thank you so much for asking me, and I'm, I'm so glad to be here. And um, I look forward to seeing you and everyone else in uh, the cafe. Absolutely. Thank you, Dale. Wasn't that a great interview with Dale? I love that guy. He's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your help and support, Dale. Okay, so here are some ways to work with the anxiety without alcohol. Number one, perception. See the anxiety pangs as healthy messengers for which they actually are. Your body is sending you signals that something is out of balance. If it's anxiety, which is intense anxiety after a binge or years of drinking the morning after, ride it out. Tell your body this will pass. It will soften with each passing hour, day, week, or month. Side note, do not quit cold turkey if you have been drinking every night for years. This is very dangerous. Seek a medical professional. All right, another way to work with acute anxiety is to get the body moving fast enough and long enough to cue the release of endorphins, which their primary purpose is to mask physical and emotional pain. And you're going to get a workout. You're going to get some exercise. It doesn't have to be long, 15 to 20 minutes of intense movement of your body. Try to get a sweat going. And listeners, if you're feeling that anxiety right now, My heart is with you. It's the worst. I know. I've been there. But it will pass, and you're not alone. Recovery Elevator, it all starts from the inside out. I love you guys.
true purpose stuff, being the authentic you, being truly happy, none of that can happen without the in your life. Don't take my word for it. Take a look at your past. Get clear. Be clear on why you're doing this. And then, go get it.